right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8. We've been going through the book of Romans, and we're up to chapter 8, and we've been a couple weeks here in, in chapter 8, and it's really, chapter 8 is about many of the benefits of being saved and, uh, and, and really the benefits of having the Spirit that will help us and, and strengthen us and uh, help us to live our life properly. And uh, look with me in verse number 31, Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 31. It's a wonderful chapter. As we look here, the Bible says, What shall we say then to these things? All these things that he's written, all the blessings and all the benefits that he's given us. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall, we, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is risen at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? It is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, and we are count, accounted as sheep for the slaughter." Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great ending of this chapter as we look at uh, the fact that we are more than conquerors uh, through Jesus Christ. And there's several things that he kind of recaps that he's given us throughout this chapter uh, that, are, that are a blessing. They're really questions that he asked. I underlined them in verse 31. Uh, I don't know that these are all my main points. Uh, I think they might be. But in verse 31 it says, who can be against us? Verse 33, he says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Verse 34, he says, who is he that condemneth us? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? There are three, four questions that he asks, and they're rhetorical. He's not asking because he doesn't know, but rather he's pointing out the fact that, hey, these are the blessings that God has given us. And, uh, and so as we look at these, I hope and pray that they'll be a blessing to you and we'll finish out with the fact that we are more than conquerors. What a blessing to know that. And uh, before we get into the message, let's stop and have a word of prayer and uh, then we'll get into our text here. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you again for really the privilege that we have to be in your house on a Sunday night. God, I pray that you would bless each and every person that's here. I pray that you would bless the, um, the preaching. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, help us to have clear minds and open hearts. And, and God, to be able to hear and receive your word. And Father, we'll thank you for that. God, I pray that you would do all of this in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
As we look at this passage, again, there's highlights of some of the things that he has covered. And, and he starts off there in verse number 31. He says, uh, what shall we say to these things? He's going to mention some of these things. And he's saying, hey, what, how, how on earth can we even cover all of this? Uh, it's so good that it's re-mentioned. And he goes on, he says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Or who yeah, can be against us. And we find our first point there, uh, who uh, can be against us? This is not a conditional if, okay? He's clearly laid out that God is for us. Sometimes when you see an if, it's a conditional if, uh, but this one is very clear that, hey, it's rhetorical, and he's saying there is certain uh, that God is for us. And we've seen that throughout this chapter. Uh, we are adopted. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Uh, the Spirit makes intercession. We read down here that Jesus Christ makes intercession for us and that God is for us. And so that's kind of what he's saying. As I look at that and I say, okay, then who's against us? Because, hey, there's got to be somebody that's against us. If God is for us, then there's certainly somebody that is against us. And the first one that comes to mind is, of course, Satan. And uh, he is not for the believer. He's not for those that are saved. Listen, he's not for the lost people either coming to church and hearing the gospel. Uh, he's against lost people hearing the gospel. He does not want their life to be changed. He's against Christians coming to church. Uh, he doesn't want Christians coming to church and getting on fire and being a burden to tell the lost about Jesus Christ that can save them. So Satan is certainly our enemy. The Bible says that in 1 Peter 5, 8, uh, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And that's certain that we have an enemy. In the book of Revelation, uh, he's called the accuser of the brethren. And listen, he's been in the book of Revelation, he's being thrown in uh, to the, the lake of fire uh, where he will be locked up for all of eternity. Man, you know what that means? In the end, we win. That's what it means. Because God is for us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? There's nobody uh, that can stand against God. We were talking about the goodness of God this morning and the power of God and the fact that He created everything that is and how, how strong and how uh, knowledgeable the God is. Listen, Satan himself is not stronger than God. And so if Satan is our enemy and God is stronger and God is for us, hey, what a blessing to know. Who can be against us? If that's our strongest foe, and if that's who's coming against us, hey, we already know that God is for us and that he'll take care of us. Who else is an enemy? Uh, listen, not just Satan is an enemy. You know, many times uh, our biggest enemy, I heard it said this way, uh, the guy on the radio, you'll, you'll, you'll probably come up with his name if you ever heard of him, but, uh, but uh, he, said, he said, I want you to look yourself in the mirror every morning and say, you are the problem. Because you know what? Many times, ourself, we are our biggest enemy. We, we, we are our biggest problem many times. And, and listen, we get, uh, often we get down on ourselves and we doubt and uh, we doubt our own ability and we doubt our own things. Listen, the truth of the matter is, let me help you out with that. Just realize, hey, we don't have any ability. But God is for us. 
Hey, and that ought, to, that ought to bolster us. That ought to help us. That ought to strengthen us. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? You can, uh, listen, God is going to strengthen us and God is going to help us. We're often our own worst enemies. And uh, rest assured that God counts you as a great value. Boy, there's something to that, to know that God cares about you. Uh, just knowing that, hey, God finds value in your life. If you're saved and you're born again, and listen, you are a child of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ, uh, and you are one of his children, and he cares about you. If God be for us, who can be against us? And the fact is uh, that we found our enemy, uh, Satan, and certainly uh, self, and certainly the world would be part of the enemy as well, and many things that would go against the things of God, but understand that God is for us, and, and that's a greater truth, that God is on our side, and nobody's able to stand against God. I don't know if you remember when you were little, but you know, younger kids, you know what, you, you ask them about their dad many times. And you know what, they'll tell you, my dad's big, and you know what, my dad will beat your dad up. I mean, how many arguments you hear about, you know, this kid's dad and this kid's dad, and, and they see their dad as a, a great, uh, powerful thing, and then they turn into teenagers and they stop thinking that. But, uh, uh, but at least it's good while it lasts, you know, and while, while they're younger. But uh, uh, listen, our God is the biggest God. There is no bigger God than God Almighty. There is no greater God than the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, the God that created everything. And it amazes me that, hey, He is for us. What a blessing to know that. And he asks this question rhetorically, if God be for us, who can be against us? We have an enemy. God is certainly for us. And then look at verse 32, because he proved his love on Calvary. This amazes me, and it will forever amaze me. He says there in verse 32, Romans 8, 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And he's saying, listen, if God spent his only son, Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, to die on the cross of Calvary, that tells you how much he loves you and he cares about you. And it is amazing that he would display that kind of love towards us. It is amazing that he would love us that much, that he would send his only begotten son on the cross of Calvary to die for us. And what a blessing. And when you realize that and when you think about it, understand that's how great God's love is for you. That he cares about you. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? Not only the greatest gift of salvation that's clearly given here, but he says, how's he going to hold back anything? And, and listen, he has given us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's given us the free gift of adoption. He's given us the free gift of justification. He's given us many free gifts uh, that we have, and we have an open-door relationship, hey, that we can go to God at any time and any place and any uh, instance and in any situation and say, God, I need your help with this. And understand and know, if God be for us, who can be against us? And all of the things that come against you in life and all of the problems, understand that God is with you. And God 
is for you. We find that truth. Who shall be against us in verse 31 and 32? Look with me at verse 33. I love this. He says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now, God's elect are simply those who have been saved and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so he says, Who uh, shall lay anything uh, to the charge of God's elect? If God is the judge, and God is the judge, then those who are saved have already been accepted into his family. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, listen, you are part of God's family and he has adopted you and you are uh, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That's what he covered earlier in this chapter. And he's saying, listen, if that's the case, then it doesn't matter who it is. We said earlier, hey, that the Holy or that the uh, Satan rather is the accuser of the brethren. You remember in, in Job uh, when Satan goes to God and says, hey, hast thou considered thy servant Job? And he was accusing Job, oh, he only serves you because you've blessed him in this life. And that's the only reason he's got blessings and he's got all kinds of good things. That's the only reason you can kind of feel uh, the idea of where Satan is going with that. Listen, uh, God says, uh, hey, I'm the one that sits on the throne. I am the judge that is going to make the final decision. And with Jesus' precious blood, he has covered the sins of those people. And I, when I look and see at them, all I see is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And there's nobody that can lay something to our charge. The Bible says it this way in 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, and without spot. And listen, when God looks at us and He says, you know what I see? I see the precious blood of my Savior, of my Son, Jesus Christ. And that person is covered. What I'm saying is, hey, who shall lay anything to our charge? And we've covered this extensively. Does that mean, wow, let's go live any way we want? No, that ought to make us say, man, Wow, I'm blessed. I want to live in that righteousness. I want to I abide by that. And I want to follow God with my life because He has blessed us. And, and He is uh, the justifier. Uh, the Bible says in, in Romans 5.8, something that we covered earlier. He says, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Where did that justification come from? Not from our righteousness, not from our silver and gold as we see in 1 Peter, not from our good works as we would see in Ephesians. Then we find, listen, if you can't buy it and you can't earn it with your good works and, there, and you can't get it any other way, the only place that you can get that righteousness is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to get that righteousness. And so he is uh, the justifier, and he is the judge. And so there's no way that God can deny himself. And the Bible says right here in verse 33, it is God that justifieth. And praise the Lord that our account is covered. 
by the blood of Jesus Christ. What a blessing to know, hey, that God is for us and that our account is covered. Look with me at verse 34. He says, who is he that condemneth? In other words, who is he that's going to condemn us? Uh, listen, God is the only one that condemn, can condemn mankind. Listen, man will, could condemn you, but the, the, the punishment of man is always temporal. God said, fear not him that is able to uh, kill the body, but rather him that is able to destroy the soul. And, and so God is saying, listen, man certainly is to, there, there's the idea of the fear of man and, and, and things that are there. But he's saying, listen, that's not the eternal condemnation. Man will try to condemn other man, and sometimes, you know, we certainly set up uh, judges, and we set up a system of justice, and certainly they do the best they can, but sometimes the justice system gets it wrong. They are not always right. Um, and, and I'm not saying uh, that that happens a lot, but I'm just saying it does happen on occasion. They try to do the best they can, uh, but they don't always get it right. But listen, you know who gets it right all the time? God does. God never gets it wrong. And because we've been justified through Jesus Christ, he's saying, listen, uh, there's no one that can condemn us. You remember when uh, in the book of John, when that, that woman w was taken in adultery, it always bothered me because uh, they said she was caught in the very act of adultery. But they let the scoundrel guy go running. Why did they bring both of them? As they biblically should have done, and they did not. Uh, they grabbed her and brought her and, and brought her before Jesus. And, and really, it was just a big, uh, big to-do to try and put Jesus on the spot and try and get him uh, to, to back up uh, what they wanted him to say. And, and of course, they can't trap Jesus. He outwits them every single time, and he will because he's God. And, and the Bible goes on and he says in John 8, 10, uh, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Wow, what a blessing that, hey, Jesus Christ would not condemn this lady. Listen, Jesus Christ, if you've been saved, will not condemn you. Praise the Lord for that. That is a blessing. Who shall condemn us? Who shall lay anything to our charge? Listen, if God has forgiven us, then no man can lay anything to our charge. And our sins are forgiven before God. And not only that, but you remember the sick of the palsy in Mark chapter number 2. When those fellows brought him uh, to, to or, um, excuse me, he came to God and, and was trying to get, uh, get healed. And, and the, no, it was the men that brought him. That's right. Sick of the palsy. Mark chapter 2. And uh, they brought him on that bed, and there was no room for them. And they let him down through the roof. And, and we find that Jesus said this, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Thy son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Man, there is no greater truth than to hear that our sins are completely forgiven. That song we sang last, last week, I think it was. My sins are gone. 
Uh, no, he took my sins away. I get those two titles confused. He took my sins away. Praise the Lord. That's something to sing about. That's something to rejoice about, that our sins are gone. And he asks the question, who is he that condemneth thee? Uh, he asks earlier, who shall lay anything to our charge? And the bottom line is, and the answer is that, listen, there's no one that can lay anything to our charge because God has changed our life. He saved us. And washed away our sins. That's justification. Go with me to verse number 35. He says in verse 31, who can be against us? God is certainly for us. He says in verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? He says in verse 34, who is he that condemneth thee? Uh, or who is he that condemneth? And there's no one to condemn us because God has forgiven us. Verse 35, he says, who shall separate us? From the love of Christ. This is a love of eternal uh, love via salvation from God. In other words, the fact that, hey, God has loved us so much and we've put our faith and trust in Him and we're saved and our life has been changed and the fact of the matter is that we are secure in that relationship with God. And what shall separate us? Well, we go down through here. He gives us a whole list. Look with me at verse 35. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distresses or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And uh, as we think about those things, those are physical things. In other words, physical things in this life. Uh, tribulation, what is that? It is severe affliction and distresses of life. Listen, you can have difficulty here in this life. Matter of fact, many godly people have suffered uh, tribulation and difficulties in this life. Uh, just because we're saved doesn't mean that uh, we're not going to have any problems or difficulties in this life. Uh, certainly we will. There will be persecutions. Look at the life of the Apostle Paul. I mean, he suffered many persecutions. Uh, he goes through a whole list in, in, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, and he says, listen, I was beaten and I was thrown in jail. And, and, uh, and he says, I, I've done all of these things. He says, actually, it's in Philippians. He says, I count these things but a loss. They're, they don't mean anything to me. And he's saying, listen, physical uh, problems and difficulties will not separate us from God, the tribulations, he goes all the way to the sword. And death, and death won't separate us from God. Listen, for a Christian that would face death, boy, we've got nothing to look forward to but heaven. Uh, nothing to lose, rather. We're looking forward to heaven. And, uh, and there's really not much to fear here. Because we know we're going to spend eternity with God. I remember, I forget who it was, was, uh, was being robbed at gunpoint. And, uh, and the guy said, give me your wallet. And he said, well, what are you going to do? He says, if you don't give me your wallet, I'll shoot you. The man says, you send me to heaven? And the thief says, what? He said, you're going to send me to heaven. If you shoot me, I'm going to heaven. And the thief got aggravated, ran away, said, forget it. I ain't messing with you. And, uh, and that's the truth of the matter is that as a Christian, listen, we don't, we don't have to fear death. We might fear the experience. I mean, I'm not looking forward to going through a, a rough road of death, to be honest with you. But, but I tell you what, on the other side of that road, I know for sure that there's heaven for me. 
And he's saying, what shall separate us from the love of God? Death can't separate us. Uh, all the, the, the harm and the persecution and, and famine and uh, peril and all of those things cannot separate us from the love of God. It's good to know that God's love will endure all the hardships that we may go through. And there's nothing in this life that can separate us from the love of God. Look with me in verse number, look with me in verse 36 and 37. This is interesting. He says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long, and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It's amazing in verse 36, you read that it's a quote of the Old Testament in Isaiah, I believe it is. And he's saying, uh, for thy sake we are killed all the day long and we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Uh, it does not sound like we are more than conquerors in that verse. But he goes back and he says, uh, for all these things we are more than conquerors. And you're saying, well, man, that doesn't sound like the winning team. Uh, but listen... God is, the fact of the matter is we will not be separated from the love of God. I heard an illustration and, uh, and I thought it, was, I, it applies so well to this verse. A preacher was saying how, uh, a preacher was saying how he used to like to watch certain games. Uh, baseball games or football games or whatever the sport was. And, and he was watching those. And, and, uh, and sometimes they would fall, uh, obviously, as you would know, during church time. And he said he couldn't miss church because he was the preacher. No, no, he couldn't miss church because he didn't want to miss church. He wanted to be where God's word was being preached, okay? So instead of missing church, he would, he would set his DVR and record it. And he'd tell people, don't tell me the score. I don't want to know what's going to happen because I'm going to watch the game later. And so he would, he would watch the game. Well, on occasion, uh, somebody would tell him about the game and, and spoil it. And he said, man, uh, the game was incredible. And, uh, and we got really far behind. Uh, but at the end, man, we came back. And in the last 10 seconds, we scored and won the game. And he'd say, it would kind of ruin it for him. But he'd still go back and watch the game anyways because he wanted to watch it. And while he was watching that game, he would see them get a little bit behind. And he would see the distance grow and he would see that they would even get farther behind. But he said it wouldn't bother him because he knew at the end they were going to win. So it just didn't bother him as much. And listen, as Christians... We may go through hard times. There may be periods of persecution. There very well have been periods of persecutions where Christians were killed all the day long. I mean, think of the time of Paul. Think of the time of Rome and Nero where they would persecute Christians and they would go through and they did not feel like they were winning the game. But at the end... If you fast forward all the way to the end, not the end of their life, not the end of my and your life, not the end of, uh, of, of, some of our grandpa's life or somebody else's life or our kid's life, but at the end of time towards the book of Revelation, we read in the very end that, hey, we win. And we are more than conquerors. 
And we may suffer and we may go through hardship. But the fact remains that, listen, in verse 37, he says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're not conquerors uh, because uh, we're great or we're not conquerors because of ourselves or our own talent or our own ability, but we are conquerors through him that loved us. It's not because of us, it's because of God. And all that he's done for us. Hey, and listen, we get to play on the winning team. We get to be on God's side. Uh, again, not because of our own self, not because of our strength, but because we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we're saved. Hey, we get to be on the winning team. And it may feel like sometimes that you'll go through hardships and it may feel like you're not more than conquerors. But listen, we are more than conquerors because of God's strength. And God's love for us. He goes on in verse 38 and he says, For I am persuaded, I love this, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He names a lot of things there. What I like, the fact that he names that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. Listen, there's nothing in this life. He talks about tribulation. He talks about persecution. He talks about famine. He talks about sword. There is nothing that this world can do to separate us from the love of God. But it goes beyond that. And he covers even after that fact. And he says, neither life nor death. And then he goes on and he says, angels. Listen, the angels that said in heaven, they'll not be able to separate us from the love of God. You know what a demon is? It is an angel that was setting in heaven and they fell. And now they're, uh, they're demons and they're, they're bad spirits. Well, he mentions that here. They're not even going to be able to separate you from the love of God. We're talking about spiritual warfare. We're talking about things that are higher than us. We're talking about because the Bible says that man is a little lower than the angels and that angels set a little higher than us. They're stronger than we are. They're more powerful. But even the angels... Fallen angels or non-fallen angels will not be able to separate us from the love of God. You know what that tells me? We're secure for all eternity. Hey, there is no separation. Death, life, de uh, death, life, angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. That means, hey, all the way out to as far as the future you can see, and beyond that, you won't be separated from the love of God. There is no greater verse that talks about the security of the believer and somebody that is saved and born again than these verses right here that clearly lay out for us that for all of eternity... There's nothing that will separate you from the love of God. What a blessing to know. Who shall, who shall, what does he say there? Who can be against us? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is he that condemneth? And who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The answer to all of those is, hey, we are secure. We are more 
than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Not because of our ability, not because of what we have done, but because God Himself loved us, shed His blood on the cross of Calvary, and He offers the free gift of salvation. And if you accept that, and you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, hey, you'll be secure in God's love for all eternity. And nothing shall separate you from God. What a blessing to know that, that God absolutely loves us. I hope and pray that that is a help and a blessing to you. Stand to your feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you will. Four questions that he asks. Nobody's going to lay anything to our charge. Nobody can be against us. Nobody can condemn us. And no one and nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's why Romans chapter 8 is one of the highlights of the Bible. Covers such great truths in our salvation. Praise the Lord that we're saved. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us. God, really salvation is the greatest thing that ever happened to us in our lifetime. And God, truly we are thankful that absolutely nothing, nothing in this world, nothing in the future, nothing that is even more powerful than ourselves is able to separate us from your love. God, thank you for that security that you give to us. God, may it challenge us to serve you and put in our heart a desire to follow you and obey you and live for you. May we display our gratefulness in the way we live our life. Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play...